your home of the pins and the best pins coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh, an iHeart Radio station. We've talked NFL overtime and celebrations. We're going to get into Brian Rust and his role with the Pittsburgh Penguins, but I should have said this before the top of the hour. I do want to get into the PNC Park baseball nets as well. I hope you enjoyed baseball while it lasted because now with this new extended netting at PNC Park, the game will pretty much be ruined, let's face it. Like, look what happened to hockey after they put the netting up after that horrible incident in Columbus where the little girl died because of the stray puck. Remember how the netting went up and immediately no one could see the game anymore and all the fans stopped going and the NHL folded? folded? I mean, I, I miss hockey. I wish it was still here. You know, the only thing more overreactionary than extending the netting at baseball games after the incidents at Fenway and PNC Parks recently is the backlash to it. I don't know how this happened, but within the span of 72 hours of this announcement to extend the nets at PNC, we've gone from a discussion about ballpark safety to some sort of red state, blue state referendum on how the outgoing administration allegedly nanny-stated America and these nets are a sign that, wait for it, soft liberal snowflakes, <clears throat> there it is, are still in charge. Well, if I may be so bold, please put your red trucker caps down for a moment and put your fitted pirate caps back on and let's see how this actually looks in person. I hardly noticed the hockey netting at all anymore. I, I didn't notice it on day one, like three shifts in. I forget it's even up there until manufactured, politically charged conversations like this one come up. Now, I admit, baseball is different. The nets may be too cumbersome for fans that far down the lines. And if so, yank them down. But no one, despite what the uh, back-in-my-day crowd may retroactively insist, not a single person has ever stayed away from a hockey game because of the netting. And if they did, that's their own dumb decision. Let's see if this move at baseball stadiums quickly becomes a similar non-story. My guess is that it will. What do you think about the netting at PNC Park? Is it too much? Will it bother you? Are you someone who is going to move their seats as a result? Because I believe the Pirates have made that an option. Now, here's the thing. Those were the best seats in the park as far as I'm concerned. You know, you could move back a little bit. And have them. I know where the nets are were my favorite place to sit. So if you're someone that is getting your seats moved as a result, you're probably still not thrilled, but you have the option to do so. But you paid top dollar to be in pretty cool seats as it was. Um, so we'll take some calls on that. I know a lot of people have had their opinions about the netting in recent days. Let's go back to the phones. Adam calling from his car about NFL overtime. Hi, Adam. Uh, hi, Tim. I know Mark suggested this in the past, and I thought it was a, I thought it was pretty ridiculous. But I also, I, you know, secretly I like the idea. Um, Mark, Mark suggested that that you have almost like an NHL um, overtime shootout, where where the other team gets to pick three players from your team, any position, to kick those kick kick field goals from a from a given spot. I believe that was said tongue implanted firmly in cheek. That was tongue implanted firmly in Riley Steele's cheek, as I may be so bold as to suggest. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, these sort of dippy scenarios that we're coming up with sound stupid, but isn't the NFL kind of half going down that path and 
I fighting it? And yeah, yeah. Now it, it comes. It comes down to you know the the uh, you're you're expected to score when you get the ball right out of the gate, and then uh, if you don't, it, it turns into essentially the same. Let's get down the field and and, and kick the. Uh, kick the customary field goal that's expected. Well, again, see, this is the NFL doing something, and thank you for the call, Adam. This is the NFL doing something for show. This is the NFL doing something for numbers. They want to implement something that's going to make games look like they're shorter so they can take that to the networks to say we're speeding up the game and the pace of play. But they got to know, it took Judy Batista with some help 10 minutes to come up with the numbers that said 2% of games would be affected by this. They've got to know that. And I didn't even do any numbers, and it hit me in the head. I said, how many games is this going to affect? My number was, in my head, 10. And I was way up high as opposed to that. This isn't going to affect anything. So they're doing this for show, and the NFL does a lot of this, just kind of stuff cosmetically to make you feel like they're making changes. It's kind of like what they're doing with the concussion situation and what they did for a long time with concussions, which got them in trouble in the first place. Kind of like what they did with the domestic violence situations in the first place till the tape got out with Ray Rice. They do stuff for show, and then when people actually use their heads, you realize you're not doing anything. Tyler. Go ahead, Tyler. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, Tim. How's it going? Good, Tyler. Hey, uh, what was your opinion on the signing of the nose tackle? Did you like it? or? Oh, Alu-Alu? Yeah. I want you to say his name. Uh, I won't be able to. Say his name. Say it. Say it. Alu Alu. Never mind. <laughs> it's not that. Just say it twice. Alu Alu. Tyson Alu Alu. No, but he's right. he's a good he's a decent player. I mean he's as you will hear later on in the show. And I'm glad you brought it up. Thank you, Tyler, because it's a cheap little plug I can make here for DK Sports Radio. Uh, I did an interview with somebody who covered the team of every one of the little minor free agents that they signed. Because the Steelers didn't sign anybody of consequence. They signed a a role defensive lineman from Jacksonville. This Tyson Alualu that this guy's talking about. Um, they signed uh, Cody Sensabaugh from the Titans and late of the Giants and Rams. A, a cornerback that's bounced around like crazy. Justin Hunter, the wide receiver, and now Davis, the kick returner from Kansas City. And I put up online a link with all these different guys analyzing who these players were and how they could at all impact the Steelers and uh, you're going to hear from some of those guys coming up in the five o'clock hour I'm going to play some sound bites from those guys about 5 30 or so after our Mean Joe Green interview so we'll get more in depth on it but basically this is a guy that can move up and down the line he can play defensive end he can play nose tackle uh, the way it was described to me he's a poor man Stefan Tuitt and Stefan Tuitt is about to become a very rich man and maybe more rich than the Steelers want to pay. And if that is, in fact, the case, having a poor Stefan to it may not be a bad option than no Stefan to it at all. Let's go to Jordan on the netting. Hi, Jordan. Ella. Go ahead, Jordan. Um, what you were saying about the red states and the blue states, my only argument to this is them people are the people that say that stuff ain't made as good as it used to be, correct? I don't know what them people and what stuff ain't being made as good as it used to be. What are you What are you referring to? Like the people that are saying it's going to ruin the game. Like your phone wasn't as good as it was back, I don't know, in 1992 when you bought it? Like that? Well, <laughs> um, If he's saying that this is the back-in-my-day crowd, I think that's what he was trying to capture from what I said earlier. 
Yes, this is the back in my day. This is the get off my lawn crowd. This is the, I've never been hit with a foul ball, so nobody else is capable of getting hit with a foul ball. Somebody just got hit yesterday after they extended the netting. Somebody got hit in Bradenton. Like, I I saw this on Twitter yesterday, okay? Steigerwald did an argument with Jory Rand on Twitter. That happens seven or eight times a day about anything. And it usually starts with sports, and then it goes to political differences. It's just, it goes down a rabbit hole every single time that the two of them can't get themselves out of. And of course, the netting thing turns into, they're putting nets up at baseball games. Well, gee, they're trying to protect people. Okay, well, what are they going to do? Make speed limits be 25 all over the place? And then it turns into Obama coddles us too much. And Trump's going to change all that. You know, and that's, that it always goes down in that direction. But my response to the Steigerwald argument to that is, just as a for instance, if you're going to argue that this is too much protection and what are you going to do, take the speed limits down to 25 miles an hour, what would you prefer? No speed limits at all? I mean, how specious do you want to make this argument here? You know, I, mean, I just want to see how cumbersome the nets are. I will grant it's different than hockey. Baseball is more of a be close to the action experience. And I could see the nets being much more of an issue that far down the foul line. So I say give it a shot, tear them down if it's too bad, but I'm not willing to say that it's going to have the massive impact on people going to the game as if people pretend it did with hockey. Like, we're going back in time now and saying that the hockey netting ruined everything, where you go to a hockey game now and you think of 940 things before you even realize there's netting up there. Eric, calling from his car. Hi, Eric. Hey, how's it going? Good, Eric. Hey, just uh, about the overtime. You know, put them on the five-yard line, give them three attempts, almost like a hockey shootout, and see how many touchdowns they can score, kind of back and forth. Well, that would be bad because the Steelers would never win in overtime then. <laughs> That's why they got Justin Hunter, who's going to change everything. Get rid of the kickers, though. <laughs> well, no, I mean, then you might have the same problem. You know, then it then literally does become, I think, more of a, a tilted advantage to teams that are built bigger and more run-oriented. I, I, I don't like the whole match it up and have it be not about football. Thanks for the call, Eric. And I, I think that's kind of what the college game is. When you take it away from being just kick the ball off and play the game, it gets hokey. Um, the college game thing is entertaining, but part of the reason why it's entertaining is they so rarely kick because there are so few good college kickers anymore. That's what makes it entertaining in large part. Did Sid just score the split? The defense split the four goal again here over my shoulder? I just want to see him whack Ryan O'Reilly in the nuts again. John, car phone, we'll get one more in here. Hi, John. Hi, Tim. Uh, I was calling about the uh, NFL overtime. Why not just, I mean, I don't even know what the percentage of overtime games are, but just eliminate it altogether, force teams to try to win it in regulation. Why even go to the overtime? Because they don't want ties. They don't want ties. Ties stink for tiebreaker reasons, and ties are less than satisfactory for the fans. Uh, okay, but how many how many times at the end of a game is it is it do ties is it tied the whole way through the fourth quarter or is it a team scores on the last possession and then you know they go for two to try you know to either tie it or if well I think it would be like hockey. Remember when hockey had ties, you know obviously a team would chase like hell if they were down two to one to try to tie it. But if a game was tied up, they were more protective of the tie than they were going for the win. And I think, especially NFL coaches, would more gladly take the tie than risk the loss. Don't you think? 
I mean, I guess to an extent, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't know what the solution is. But like, you're not going to say, okay, you know, here's here's what you're suggesting, and here's why I don't think it would happen. Like, for instance, it's um, you're at your own forty yard line. It's fourth and nine. It's either a tie at regulation or you go for it. The coach is not going to go for it and risk the field position swap and have the team make one first down to get a field goal and lose it. That's just not going to happen. You know that, right? Right, right. So so I I don't think if you're trying to suggest coax more excitement out of the coaches because the risk of a regulation tie is out there without overtime, I don't think you're going to get the result that you're looking for. 412-333-WXDX, 412-333-9939, or tweet me at Tim Benz. PGH. We're going to get to Brian Rust and his potential impact with the Penguins when we come back. We'll talk about that. We will also speak with Mike Rupp at 4.30. Mean Joe Green, Pittsburgh sports icon, NFL legend. He's got a book out and he's joining us at 5 here on 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, big fan, big fan. Well, I'm not sure. It's just big and it's soft and I use a bunch of pillows and I snore. The X at 105.9. Brought to you by A4 Lumber, your hometown building partner since 1956. Tim Ben's in for Mark Madden. Did Christy Yamaguchi really tell Nancy Kerrigan to break a leg on Dancing with the Stars? I don't know if it's funnier if she meant to do it or if she didn't, but it's funny. That and Mike Epps getting sued for alimony for 109, what, how much is it? 109,000 a month because his wife is too old to get a job. At 36. Wow. Tony Romo is screwed. Uh, Let's get back to hockey here. Uh, The Penguins, assuming Jake Gensel eventually remembers his own name and can find his way back to the rink again. I'm very interested to see where Brian Rust ends up. Um, I think Rust would just be plunked right on Sid's line, and they'll try to reunite him with Connor Sheary and Crosby while Gensel is out. But when Gensel comes back... You know, I could see them trying him on left wing with Malkin, Rust I'm talking about, and Kessel would then have to play on you know, the right side. So somebody's gonna be somebody's gonna be out of position. Now moving Rust around means that somebody might be bumped over to their offside. I could see them having Rust play with Benino and Haglin when Haglin gets healthy to create a line that would be just oppressive of as hell with speed. But who knows, maybe they'd never finish a single goal. Now, we talked about it before. Benino is hot, but the two wingers, those guys skate like crazy. They're maniacal, but they don't finish a lot or as often as they could given the situations that they put themselves into score. Now, that kind of could be comical in his own way. I I could also see Rust working on a line with Cullen and Kunitz, which would be a great fourth line if you really feel like you have that kind of depth. But what would they do with him and Kessel and Malkin, because they recreate what they had at times with Rust and Kunitz and Malkin a year ago. I don't think the pieces, the components, quite fit the same way. I just don't see him going back with Sid and Sheary, as was being done before he got hurt. I think Sid enters the playoffs one of two ways. Either they put Hornquist back with him and say, you guys work it out, and make it fit like what happened in the playoffs. Or, Sid, you carry Shiri and Gensel and continue what's been working lately. But don't you think Rust 
factors in with Crosby right now beyond Gensel's health? I, I think that's the way to go. What do you think the Penguins should do in the near future and long term? 412-333-WXDX or tweet me at Tim Benz. PGH. Were those the lines uh, today at practice? Or yesterday. Okay, so the lines yesterday. Uh, Sid between Gensel and Sheary. Therein lies the dilemma. Cullen between Kessel and Wilson. You know, Wilson's another guy that can move up and down the lineup and be in various positions. Like That's the good thing about Rust and Wilson is, as the playoffs move along, if you need someone to fill more of a checking role and let's say Gensel doesn't come back until the playoffs. So let's say Gensel is ineffective in the playoffs and you need a scoring jolt and you've got to put him in. You can move Rust or Wilson down to a third or fourth line capacity and still get something positive out of them. And I still think you yield more than you would with, say, as a, for instance, uh, a Carter Rowney or even a Sunquist at this point, who I like, but maybe not to the degree that he should be leaned upon or leveraged at this stage of his career. Now, Sidney Crosby, 11 points, 6 games. Back right at the top of the scoring charts with Connor McDavid, 81 points. Had a hat trick versus Florida. And after the game, uh, in the press room, Dan Kovacevic and I were talking. And that discussion is still up on DKPittsburghSports.com as well. Mark Madden from our Madden Monday segment. I advanced this opinion. I think Mark echoed it as well. It's not just Sid. It's how that line is working with him and Gensel and Connor Sheary. The Sheary part of it was Sid, we get that. It worked last year in the playoffs. It carried over to this year in the regular season. It maintained even when Sheary was out for a while with injury. But Gensel instead of Hordquist, we didn't know how it would work, but there appears to be something there. And I'll be honest with you, I'm dubious of the idea that this is going to be the right move in the postseason, but if Gensel can come back healthy, it works for now. looks like it's going to work. I've always been a proponent of Sid having at least one guy with net front presence on his line. Kunitz, Bill Guerin long ago, Hornquist. I know because when he's had such a player, those have been the years that the Penguins have been at their best. The notable exception was in the playoff run of 08, but those guys were Hosa and Dupuis, pretty good players in their own right, despite being different styles from those other guys I just mentioned. In the playoffs, I think you need someone who is good in front of the net, who can maximize all the good work from Crosby that he does from the hash marks down or even deeper beyond the goal line and manages to get shots on net. Like Crosby is a master of working from these dark reaches of the ice, from the corners, from beyond the goal line, somehow slipping his way out and getting a good shot on net. And if it doesn't go in, there's Hornquist or Kunitz to bang it in for a goal. Or you've got Hornquist getting a shot, muscling a shot towards the net, and Sid with his nifty hands in tight spaces, he finishes their initial efforts. That's why I like that yin and yang of having a net front presence guy so Sid doesn't have to do it all by himself. Now, unfortunately, for the immediate future, Rasmus Rustalainen messed with Jake Gensel's skull, so we don't have that option to see it develop even more. We'll talk to Mike Rupp about that when we come back. What should the penalty be for him? What should the Penguins do line-wise moving forward? How does Rust fit back in? And the crazy chase for the Metro Division. Mike Rupp on all that when we come back on 105.9 The X. And on 105.9 The X. Efforting Mike Rupp, formerly of the Pittsburgh Penguins, now of Root Sports, to continue our hockey conversation here on The X. Tim Benz in for Mark Madden. Lots going on today. Uh, we've gotten a ton of response in the meanwhile to some football talk, even more so than hockey day. That being the state of NFL overtime and the celebration rules, the NFL doing what the NFL does best 
which is overcomplicate matters, try to make things simpler, and in the process, make things more hard to understand. It's tough to figure out what a catch is. It's tough to figure out what a hit is. Now they're mixing and matching between their overtime rules for regular season and the postseason. Simply put, what I would do is have the overtime rules be the same for regular season and the postseason. Leave the clock alone. Don't shorten it, as they are suggesting. And uh, I would also have both teams have a chance for a possession. Uh, don't do this you know, field goal versus touchdown thing on the first possession. I still think that puts too much emphasis on the coin toss. But if they're trying to shorten games, that's not going to happen. The issue is with me, though, if their effort is to shorten games, is to just attack the overtime games first, particularly ones that go beyond 10 minutes, you are then addressing a grand total of 2% of your games. That makes no sense. How would you better address the overtime situation? And if you missed our discussion about celebration, they are, in essence, now legislating know it when you see it when it comes to being inappropriate with celebrations in the National Football League. So given that lack of structure with what the officials have to work with now, I actually think that's going to bait more celebration from the guys out. Maybe that's what they want. Maybe the NFL realized that it was taking too much heat for not letting the guys have fun. You know, one thing that doesn't get talked about enough, in my opinion, is that I think it's so much more about road versus home than anything else. Like, just the example I gave with the Snow Angels. The crowd loves it. Everybody's applauding because their own guy does it. If it happens on the road, I think the officials are so much more inclined to throw the flag because it feels like taunting even if it isn't. You can express your opinions at 412-333-9939. But we go to the hotline right now and welcome the aforementioned Mike Rupp to the show. Mike, thanks for taking some time to join us. And uh, during your playing career, how often did you split all four penalty killers at the same time and route to a goal like Sidney Crosby did last night? <laughs> yeah, I think most players would say never. I mean, this the crazy thing about Sid is um, I think when you look at it and you're going up from level to level, when you're going from... You know, uh, even when you're going to play junior hockey then or you're going to play college hockey, turning pro, every level you go up to, you always get told, there's, hey, you remember you used to be able to do this? Well, you're not going to do that anymore because this is the next level and this is this and, and those things don't happen anymore. And one of those that was told really probably when you're around 16, 17 years old is, you know what, going end to end doesn't happen anymore and splitting D does not happen anymore. So get that out of your game. Sidney Crosby's done that all the time. I mean, that's Patton, Sid Crosby right there. Just the way he splits D, I don't know if we always see him doing it to uh, forwards as well. And obviously this one was on the power place. It was a little bit different, but I mean, what an unbelievable goal. I mean, there's there's two players in the league that can do that and can do it consistently, and that's him and um, Evan, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Connor McDavid in, in Edmonton. It's been uh, the two guys that consistently do that. And then to top it all off, who needs two hands on their stick? And you got one. That's good enough. Well, Rupp, correct me if I'm wrong, and I apologize if there was this was you guys or it might have been Josh Yoey who told me this after the game on DK Pittsburgh Sports. But the reason why the forwards on the penalty kill looked as flat-footed as they did when he did that was because, well, they were because they were expecting the Penguins to run the normal entry that they do where oftentimes Sid will drop the puck there to Justin Schultz and he will enter the zone. But Sid, knowing where the clock was, just decided to bolt through them. So it was as much the mental setup as it was the physical skill set. Did you see that as well? Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much a staple now. I remember when that 
that first drop play, um, because the the whole idea of the penalty kill is to not allow the uh, the power play to enter the zone with speed. You want to ideally get the puck out of their hands, let them put it up for grabs and dump it, get it out of their hands. You don't want them to gain the zone cleanly. And generally speaking, that's why teams resorted to coming up, and they'll come up and they'll drop the puck back, which makes the uh, the penalty kill all stop or, or, or slow down quite a bit because they want to keep their gap. Then you got a guy with a full head of steam coming up, which is usually a Justin Schultz, and then he can kind of pick his way into the zone. Well, you know, they're expecting that because most of the time that's the play that happens because it's, you know, guys pretty much follow their their game plan to a T and the PK, and that's what you see. And Sidney Crosby sees the recognition, and I actually, you know, I think he looks up and he sees how much ice he has, and he has so much he has so much ice available that he's like, he's going to take it, and he takes it, and um, you can't give a guy like that that much time and space, and, and he made him pay. Did you perhaps use your stick in a way that Sidney Crosby did earlier in the game with Ryan O'Reilly at any point? What's that? With the little stick between in the groin to Ryan O'Reilly? I don't know if you caught yeah, that. Yeah. Or not. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, hey, listen, sometimes you gotta you got to use your stick to, to get some <laughs> space out there, too, on the ice. So you got to do what you got to do. Uh, that might have spoken more to your game, Mike. No offense than splitting the defense <laughs> on the penalty kill, both in the front half and the back half. Hey, you can you you can call it splitting the D at the same on the same <laughs> rate. Maybe it's splitting the forward on that one. But <laughs> hey, uh, Mike, all right, this is kind of a silly take me behind the curtain. You've been there. I've never been in the room, kind of question. But I'm going to ask it anyway. What are the logistics to get Sid's mouth fixed on a road trip like this? Like literally, they go in the plane. It lands. He he calls a twenty four hour dentist, and he's in a chair in a basement in Ottawa somewhere. I mean, like, what do they do <laughs> in a situation like this to get somebody to get somebody stitched up or get their teeth fixed like that? Yeah, you know it's funny, and I'll just share a story of mine that I was playing in the Ontario Hockey League, and we were on uh, we were playing like a Saturday afternoon, uh, Saturday night game, and um, Saturday night game in uh, Owen Sound, Ontario, which is. I'm not even sure how many dentists they have in town there, you know, in town, but they didn't have any at the game. And I took a, a, a Brad Boy's slap shot into the mouth, and uh, I it knocked my front two teeth, um, my front two teeth back into my mouth. And um, so there's no dentist there. So uh, the doctor there is just like, hey, you know, you're going to have to get this scene when you get back to Erie, where I was playing in the OHL. And then the, our trainer says, well, hey, tomorrow's Sunday. There's no dentist going to be available tomorrow. So what we want you to do is we're going to pull your teeth back into place, wear your mouth guard all night tonight, wear it all day tomorrow or on Sunday, and then Monday morning we'll get into the dentist. So oh. I had to wear this nasty mouth guard because the mouth guard was actually holding my teeth in place. And uh, it was this nasty, bloody mouth guard for about, you know, 36 hours. I had to wear it so I got to the dentist. So I'm hoping the NHL has a little bit of a better setup. Uh, if I had to guess, I'd say, you know, they definitely would have a dentist on staff um, for the game. He probably saw him, um, probably didn't get anything done last night. Um, we'll get something done, um, you know, in Ottawa. Is, yeah, I was going to ask me, like, is there almost like a professional courtesy thing there where, for instance, like the the Penguins medical staff, and they don't travel with a dentist, right? Would they contact the no. senators and say, who's your guy? Can we use your guy for SID? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah, most likely. And then I guess one of the perks being in the NHL is you don't have to worry about it being in network, you know. <laughs> Hopefully they didn't have any issues with getting it covered. But, uh, hey, Sid, 
listen, the one thing, and I'll, you know, joking about it, Sidney Crosby is probably more pissed off he missed that 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 goal than he does, even cares about that tooth. He'd probably give another tooth or two to make sure he got that goal. So um, I think that's probably what Sid was caring about more. I'm going to do nothing but obsess about the disgusting thought of that mouth guard in your mouth for 36 hours. I can't think so of anything gross, less man. sanitary than that. I would describe it, but it's so repulsive. I don't even <laughs> want to. It's so gross. All right, Mike. Um, let's move on to Jake Gensel and the hit that he absorbed. Uh, bad hit. Uh, I hope the suspension for Ristolainen is somewhere in the neighborhood of what Sestito got for the check from behind in Winnipeg. Would you think that would be a fair result? Yeah, and you know, I'm. Uh, the, that's it's fine. That's one of the reasons why I was late with my call with you. Is um, I was going over the, the Gensel clip and and doing this for NHL Network. We're going to take a look at it. Um, for NHL tonight, um, this evening. And it's, it's one of those, you know, I look back at the Brandon Manning hit on Jay Gensel, and I don't think there's too much Jay Gensel could do in that situation. Brandon Manning, that was a bad hit. He left his feet, headshot, Gensel didn't have the puck. Um, but on this one, if you were, there's two sides to it for me. If that puck goes to Jay Gensel's stick and doesn't get, um, poked away, that's a, that's a great hit. It's a fantastic hit. Uh, I got no problem with it, but the reality is the puck was nowhere near him, and it's a dis- it's a really really bad hit. <laughs> yeah. So you know what I mean. It's you're talking a matter of a few feet, but that has to be the, the recognized by the guy delivering the hit and wrist line, and he doesn't recognize it. That's a Rob Blake type hit. Those ones really hurt when a guy just kind of leads with his back end and his back follows through. Um, it's very you know that that's a really tough way to get hit. He ends up coming into it. Um, but I do have to say, Jake Gensel really put himself in a bad spot there. Uh, I, I think the hit's awful. I think he actually should get more than the two games that, uh, you know, I, I even look at it from a standpoint of that Brandon Manning hit. I think this is, this is, this is worse. Um, I, I think that he is, uh, should get more than two games, but, you know, he may just get those two, but, the proper play for there, Jake Gensel. So if Jake Gensel is still on the wall, if he stays out wide, maybe he can look over his shoulder a little bit. But he's starting to fade to the middle of the ice. And when you look over your shoulder going towards the middle of the ice, you're really opening yourself up. Uh, the, the best way to protect himself is just to open up and square his shoulders um, back towards the Penguins' end and receive the pass kind of skating backwards in the neutral zone because then Ristolainen is probably not going to hit him because he's going to see the numbers. And if he does, you know, it just bumps you in the back and you're not going to get that headshot to his face. But I, I didn't like the hit. I didn't like watching him get up and uh, falling down. Um, you know, that was that was a nasty one. Well, Mike, as far as what they do to patch over until he's back, hopefully Brian Rust returns soon. Would you think that they just put him on that line with Sid and Sheary then? Um... Yeah, I would I would think so, but then again, I, you you see this this team will put Chris Kunitz in those kind of situations at times, and, and that's the way of kind of keeping Chris Kunitz um, acclimated and going into a role that he's more used to doing. And uh, so, you know that that makes sense. But I, I I think I would probably see Chris Kunitz maybe moving up into that spot, maybe ease, um, you know, because like, you can't really ease into back into the lineup for Brian Russ. If you're playing on that top line, um, you just got to get thrown into it. So, um, you know, it makes sense. I like it, but I don't know if it would happen right away be- because Ryan Russ has missed so much time. 
Uh, Mike, before we wrap things up here, I want to uh, throw a thought at you about the playoff situation for the Pens, the Metro Division, and um, how much you think they should chase this number one overall seed. How important is it to you? Just looking at the uh, the playoff machine odds right now, you know, the, the stat numbers, running the numbers, it looks like Boston and Washington, the Metro right now, would be the uh, most likely matchup, and then Columbus is the three and Pittsburgh is the two. That's the way the statisticians are breaking it out at this point. Um, is it that big of a deal if you're a two versus a three, a two versus the one even? How desperately should the Penguins chase the number one, number one overall position in the East? Well, I think that it, it all kind of takes care of itself, and a cliche of just taking one day at a time and, and winning those games. If the Penguins do that, they might find themselves in that top spot. And I, I certainly, I think if you're trying to always take care of the things you can control as far as, you know, at the end of the day, Playoffs are playoffs, and you're going to get somewhat. You're going to get every, every team's best, and it's going to be a grind. You're going to have your ups and downs in the series, but I think that you would much rather have those ups and downs in a series against either a, a Boston, a New York Islanders, or a Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, that's that's for sure. Um, I don't think you really want to have to deal with that in the first round um, against a Washington Capitals team or a Columbus Blue Jacket team. So, um, yeah, it's. Uh, I think the focus is not to focus today where they're at in the standings or where they're going to be tomorrow in the standings. Just, hey, let's play the right way. We know we want to go in the playoffs on a roll. And if this team's winning most of their games down the stretch here, they got a shot at winning that first spot. So, um, But, yeah, it's, it's, it's brutal. I don't like it. Um, I don't want to see these teams. I mean, the Columbus Blue Jackets seem to be for real as well. And we all know how hard they play the Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't want to see the Pens play... Uh, the Jackets, I don't want the Pens to play Washington in the first round. I mean, um, those are things where I don't want to see them play either of those teams in the second round. <laughs> you know, those should be that. Either one of those matchups should be Eastern Conference Finals matchups, and uh, unfortunately we're not going to see that. Mike, thanks a lot for the time. Appreciate it. Glad you could join us. Hey, final thought here. You're from Cleveland, right? Did you grow up a Browns fan? I did. You did? All right, so are you old enough to remember Mean Joe Green as a football player? Mean Joe Green, yeah. You, okay, I mean, you, you remember watching Brown-Steelers games when Mean Joe was still playing? No, I don't remember that, but oh, I remember okay. watching the old clips of it. All right, because Mean Joe's coming up at the top of the hour, so I was wondering if there was a Steeler that you perhaps love to hate more than Mean Joe Green as a Browns fan growing up, but it might have even... You pre- know what? I will, I will share with you, though, real quick. One of my highlights of my career, and I, I totally mean this because it was awesome. When I went to Pittsburgh... Um, and I got, I came into my uh, locker room one day, and I and I had a picture signed in my stall from uh, from Jack Lambert that said, uh, "From one Ohio boy to another." And they said, uh, "I like your style." And I had his famous picture with no teeth, just looking mean as all get up. And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like that, I, that means so much to me. They were coming from a guy like that from that era with those guys. I mean, that's incredible. Well, forget the picture. You should have had him sign that bloody mouth guard then. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that's what he was talking about. Maybe he heard the story before. I don't know. He didn't wear his mouth guard that weekend, though, because he lost his teeth. Right, I there you go. Mine. Rupp, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Good catching up with you. Thanks, Tim. All right, that is Mike Rupp, 14-year NHL vet, now with the NHL Network and Root Sports. He was on the broadcast last night of the Penguins games you heard, working for the NHL Network tonight. Mike is brought to us by Auto Palace Porsche. Make every day a Porsche day with a new McCann from Auto Palace Porsche and by Big Shot Bob's House of Wings. Bob joins me next at the top of the hour at 5 o'clock. 
Mean Joe Green, his new book is out. We'll talk to him about it and his life as a Steeler icon. That's coming up at 5. This is 105.9 The X. 105.9. Bob McLaughlin joins me right now. He's brought to us by 84 Lumber, your hometown building partner since 1956. Mean Joe Green coming up at 5 o'clock, just a few moments from right now. Bob, I know that the National Football League has taken some... Uh, flack for being too lenient with letting bad guys into the league. This whole Joe Mixon conversation has been quite the talking point on this show and others. My show as well over DK Sports Radio. But a lot of soccer has talked on this show. I don't know if Mark talks a lot about Brazilian soccer. But did you see the story about the guy who's being <laughs> let back into the Brazilian soccer league after he is being let out of jail six years behind bars after being accused of having his then-girlfriend killed and fed to the Rottweilers? Oh, that's a tough one. How do you let that guy back into the league? And somewhere Ray Rice is going, oh, come on! Exactly. Like, Greg Hardy's like, I'm the bad guy. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah uh, this story is unbelievable. It's everywhere. You, it's, you tweeted it out before the show, and I've been doing nothing but read about it during the... How is this guy being allowed... Because he's not even saying, I didn't do it. No, he 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 did it. They proved him guilty. They, he, he got out of the technicality. Like, Got out on technicality. What happened was it was uh, the mother of his four-month-old son at the time. She was a model, Brazilian model, girlfriend. Uh, He wanted out of the relationship. She wanted him. He was making money as a soccer player at the time. She wanted monthly support. Not Mike Epps' money, I guess, which is 109000 by the wife, uh, Mike Epps' wife right now. But she wanted money. So he had her tortured, killed, and then fed to the dogs to erase all evidence. And he's back in the league. And, and, the, and the team is not apologizing for it. The league said he served his six years. Right. And he's back in the league. So when asked about it, his quote was, what happened, happened. Was he wearing a Michael Vick jersey at and, the time? Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about... it's the same argument. He served his time. Well, I don't know if it's exactly the well, same. Well, it's not exactly the same. But <laughs> there might be... The argument is the same. He right, served his time. The base argument of he served his time, right. But I think at this point... Um, Boy, A, you didn't serve enough time, and B, I guess other members of the family right now are worried that because he went to jail and was found guilty of this, he will send his henchmen. You think? And I think you that think? Uh, if I would say that Brazil still does have henchmen yes, uh, to either get the grandma or the son, who obviously now is a little bit older, but... That's an awful story. We're gonna I don't th- see how the league PR guy actually stands yeah. up there and says, hey, look, we did our due diligence. The am guy I, served his time. Am I really hitting send on this press release right now? <laughs> right, right. Hey, I'm going to go on vacation for quite a while. Have, have the intern send this one out in the mass email. Yeah, the story's all over the place. It's on my uh, Twitter feed, at Producer. You've got it on yes. yours also, so... Uh, quite the interesting story. And the next time you think that one of our leagues has gone way out of bounds. Check this one out. Yeah, look at this one. Mean Joe Green next in 30 seconds here on 105.9 The X.